Welcome to the Next Step Podcast with Jay. And Brad. Wait. Wait. I'm Brad. I'm Jay. I'm an All act. Right. All right. fourth time he's reminded me of what we're doing we're doing news because news. it's been so long since we've uh, uh posted an episode i would say yell it do it live except for we don't do it live so that's kind we're of like recording really, live well we're recording live but and it, do yes. it live is that guy gone like anyways that's another news story uh i don't know what he's doing but i got some fun articles some yeah, interesting yeah. articles and a meme to read okay let's want? hear them which one you want i want the meme first the meme first uh, are you gonna post this in our it's it's always on our Facebook. I get these, okay. I find them, and I post on our Facebook. I miss Facebook. Um, and so this was the source is from Addiction Family Support Group. Uh, those events that once made me feel ashamed and disgraced now allow me to share with others how to become a useful member of the human race. Page four ninety two, Alcoholic Economics, Big Books. Boom. Has that been true for you? The, oh, yeah. the events that once made you feel ashamed and disgraced allow you to share others and become a useful member of society? I'd like to think of myself as that. Uh, yeah, I believe you are. It's crazy. Huh? I never thought, yeah. Uh, it's crazy because that... You, that you'd mentioned before how you thought, you told Lexi that you would never be of service. 100%. To that's exactly what I felt like. Anybody. Not, you know, I'm pretty dramatized. Like, at that time, that was not a dramatized feeling. Like, that was a, my reality. I'm like, oh, we're, we're done. We'll never get out of this. Like, I'll never, I'll never be able to help someone. Uh, and look at you now. You can't even count how many people... Because you can't count that high of how many people listen to I our podcast. That high. Yeah, I, was gonna say, <laughs> I couldn't count how many times you just told me that uh, we're going to do the new thing. Okay, one hey, more meme, meme from, I don't know if that's called a meme, but it's like the picture with the word. Yeah, yeah. This one's from it's Francis of Assisi. I don't know who that is. Meme uh, sounds funny. That was uh, all the darkness in the world cannot distinguish the light of a single candle. Mm, I like that. So if you've ever had a dark room and just light a candle, it's lightens up that room. I was in a, dude, I listened to a BYU talk the other day, and they, they brought that analogy in there about the candle. Like, you know, the darkness. Like, darkness can't over... It just can't... Like, I remember talking about that on our missions, right? You would talk yeah. about that occasionally to missionaries or people, but, like, darkness literally can't overcome light. Yeah. When you look at it, like, scientifically like that. Except the mists of darkness in the uh, Book of Mormon. In, in the, the dream. In, in Lehi's dream. In the dream it can. But, uh... The, the mists of darkness. That would be interesting. I wonder if that's a literal... Uh, it's, a, it's not a literal thing, no, but, no, but there's definitely mists of darkness over 100%. society now. Totally. So that's... We... You could have darkness over the mind, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. But like when the way they're talking about it, the way you're talking about yeah, it, yeah. is that like light, like just... If you think, if you're listening to this and you're in a dark place, like I've been and we all go in at times, like you think about a candle right now in front of you, think of the imagery... You light that candle, like Brad said, in a dark room. The dark room doesn't go, oh, no, I have more mass. Yeah. So, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to overcome that flame is lit. Yeah. The room's lit. So It's a powerful visual. So come on, baby, and light my fire. But to All the right. spirit. Uh, <laughs> do you know who Alex Boyer is? You say Alex. No. Uh, no. He, he is... Actually, I don't... He came and actually spoke and sang to our stake uh, several months ago. Really? Um, and I had read a little snippet about how Remember? he may have struggled with addiction. Yeah. 
Um, Maybe tell me about this guy. And I reached out to him to try to get, like, hey, let's connect, blah, 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 no response. Um, so if you're listening to this and you know Alex Boyer, too famous. Uh, and he's not too famous. Have him reach out to us. We'd love to get him on because uh, it was in East Idaho. I mean, if East Idaho News gets him, I'm sure the next podcast can get him. Oh, yeah. Come on. Right? Come on. If East Idaho can get him. We're East no offense Idaho. if you're listening. Is that to- like the lower east? It's like the, it's pan- like the desert the side. The tall part? Yeah. I don't even know what side. Is that Rexburg, maybe? I don't know. But People East, in Idaho, East are Idaho hey, man, News. Uh, has an article about him about how he struggled um, with pornography addiction for many many years and um, his method of overcoming um, it was a little bit unique so there's a link to that in our Facebook page of the Next Step Podcast but uh, I always love it Uh, in our meeting tonight I shared about breaking anonymity Mm -hmm. and how powerful that can become yep and I think there's, I've shared before in the podcast, I don't have the quote, but the r- original reason for anonymity for AA, mm-hmm. do you remember what that was? Yeah, because well, they didn't have enough, like, uh, they you experienced enough this yeah. firsthand. Yeah, you didn't have enough resource to, to be able to take the overwhelming uh, need, basically, the demand for the program, the demand for these steps. The demand for sponsoring. Sponsoring, because, because they could so handle it. The 12 steps, um, for those of you who are still not sure about how the 12 steps work the 12 steps one of the critical component of that is a sponsor or as the or another addict helping another addict an addict helping another addict once you've done the steps your 12th step is to go back the only way to do the 12th step is to go and give it to someone else technically so so the initial uh founding papers was like look the demand is so great that your sobriety comes first Mm -hmm. so you can't you can't go to public and break anonymity because you're going to have so many people come to you yeah. that it's going to overwhelm you and you might relapse. Yeah. And, and, it, that, and that kind of anonymity just kind of stuck as culture. Yeah. So people are, uh, and but, there's, get it. but there's an important aspect of anonymity. Totally. As far as uh, not sharing what someone else has shared. And, it, and when you're ready to break anonymity, then it can be very powerful. Totally. And uh, the sons of Messiah broke anonymity. If you read what they did, they went mm-hmm. and confessed their sins and their iniquities. They broke anonymity. Paul. Uh, Paul definitely right. did. When he changed from Saul, and then he went out and even David. I mean, when you think of King David, right? He fell yeah. and he wrote like he literally wrote stuff that is being read still to this day. Right. So, his, so, his so sometimes, like uh, I've, heard, I've had, we had some people re- reach out to the to us through our direct messages or emails about how someone in their stake said, "No, you can't do that because you can't break anonymity." And I'm like, well, if you want to break anonymity, go for it. It's, it's your, a personal it, thing. It's your story. And and we are we applaud like Alex Boyer, Jay. You get a lot of accolades. Everyone who's been on our podcast, mm-hmm. you know, any of the movie stars, like that's a part of it. But do it when you're ready. Totally. And and I think and you I'll, can't give away what you don't have. So if you're wondering, yeah, am I ready? Well, if you've done these steps, in my opinion, if you felt it, you're ready, and that's the next step in my opinion. I know they say the 13th step is dating someone. <laughs> Danny told you the other day. Yeah. But I think that's third, that, you know, it's not. It's the 12th step. It's giving out and, and, and going and, and helping other people. And definitely within your own meetings, but also within your own areas. Start, start, yeah, start, start in your ward. That's literally what we did, right? Yeah. Start in our ward. Then you go to the, you know, if you're, if, if you don't have a meeting yet, I'm saying like, start by sharing your testimony. Start by, you know, an elders quorum or relief society rather than just, theoretically sharing a story about, you know, whatever. We know that this is what the gospel is going. I mean, when I'm teaching elders quorum these days, 
we're, one of the things we're asked to do is to, to bring it personal, you know, and, and so start there and then, and then slowly work your way out, right? And then it'll all fall into place because it's well, not your word, uh, and, it's God's and, word. And how many times, Jay, you, can you count this high? How many times have you shared that and someone came up after and said, hey, can I talk to you a minute? Totally. And they shared a personal. Still to this day. Like, like, it, even though it's been happening could, for six years. Six years, and, and it still happens. Seven, yeah, six and a half years. Very regularly. Yeah. If I were to go, if we were to do another whatever talk in some other ward, there's new members that have moved in or people that weren't there or people that weren't listening, people that weren't ready, yeah. right, to talk. And... Uh, there's yeah. more people than I think you're about, going to there's know. hundreds of people that have showed up that aren't here tonight still yeah. like yeah. not coming to a meeting so like because they may have came once and then weren't ready so yeah. yeah so so if you feel so inspired get out there okay the last one's kind of a maybe a fun one maybe not i don't know uh, i'm going to show you a picture of it so see that little bracelet right there mm-hmm. can't see it, it but it's going to be posted on our facebook i'll probably post a picture on our instagrams as well Instagrams. Uh, and and, and says, trying to quit smoking or fast food, this bracelet will literally shock you out of a bad habit. Ah, so there's like this the bracelet. It is. Like it's a padlock. Yeah. It's, it's called the padlock. No way. Yeah. Genius. It's a sense of 350 volt <gasps> jolt. 300. Every time you find yourself falling victim to a habit that you're working to change. Companies, How does it know what you're doing? Uh, so let's read it. Uh, the company says the behavior training device uses negative stimuli, the shock and associated the habit to teach your brain associate two stimuli together called adversive therapy until your brain no longer wants the bad habit. Um, this, the user simply presses down on a lightning bolt symbol on the bracelet every time they find themselves falling victim. Oh, so you gotta be so honest you, enough to press yeah, the button. Yeah. See, this is, the, this is where, this is a gimmick, but I mean, <laughs> hey man, listen, there was a lot of negative, okay, every time I did drugs, there was a negative effect right after I still did those drugs. You well, know, initially like, it was a positive effect. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, that's true. I'm wondering, that's why I'm wondering you zap before, but they need to figure out a way to tap into your brain and your subcontinent. No. So, you, so you gotta zap yourself. You gotta zap yourself. So like self-reporting. I'm getting ready to go through the drive-thru. I'm I'm to, I want to order the ice cream. I want to order the ice cream Sunday and then zap myself. Juice, Calix. Someone like self. There's like a belief where you like self-harmed yourself in order to like. I believe uh, it was the, that's. I watched uh, the Dan Brown. Uh, da Vinci Code. Remember da Vinci that one? Code? Or the yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. He would like. Uh, I think, but I don't. Tie his leg a, down on this graphic that was gnarly. Yeah, I don't know if that's a uh, general practice, but uh, more of an extreme version of it, possibly. Yeah. Hey, here's a really good way to do it: is just just call a sponsor, just talk it over. So, it, so you're saying instead of zapping yourself, what would, what do you recommend? Uh, so I've been talking to like a lot of sponsees about this lately. So a lot of people want to call after they've messed up, usually days after, because it takes some courage to finally break the you know anonymity. Even though they've already broke anonymity, they're already working the steps. So I'm expecting a call, but yet they still feel that like, gosh, it's you know. And then they finally feel guilty enough to do it. And when they do it, um, it's like, hey, I don't want you to call right after or even right before. I want you to like say let's call it pornography or drugs, right? Like so, but pornography is I think easiest stuff. So because pornography is not an action of like taking something, so then you get high and then you've lost your agency for a few hours or a day or so till the drugs wear off and you feel normal and you make a call. With pornography, you when they they've they're doing more studies about this, but because it's not something you ingest, right? In your in your in your system, and then it kicks in, and then you have no control uh, because it's so natural in the brain that as soon as you start having the desires and stuff, it's even harder to say no at that point. So, what we do when I sponsor a, a pornography addict or a sex addict, I say, 
you got to call way before you get to that point. You need to call um, when you're having a bad day. You need to call because you don't ever, like, it's hard to pinpoint when when the temptation comes because usually by then the chemicals are already naturally being created in the brain, and so it's a lot harder to slow down the car, especially when you're new in recovery. As you get time, it's easier. So um, you got to reach out way before. So that's what I'm saying, to zap yourself. If, if you're a sex addict or a porn addict, you're probably going to, like, by the time you've, you know, already thought about zapping yourself, you're probably already messed up, unfortunately. So you've got to call a day before, two days before, and you go, well, how do you correlate if you, you know, how can you think that far ahead? What we're saying is pornography, drugs, and sex, like we've said a hundred times, aren't really the problem. You've trained your brain to want that for your solution, to deal with your problems, to either escape or to self-soothe after you've made mistakes because now you're so depressed from those mistakes so then you go to something that used to give you pleasure and now it just brings misery so it's it's crazy when you step back and you can do that but that takes time to be able to realize that but um so what tell me that makes sense like it it does i'm kind of curious as the normie question we're we're not asked the addict but we're in the new section but what uh specifically with pornography what so i I can visualize drugs Mm -hmm. Like uh, with the prescription pills, yeah. it's like uh, maybe going to get the prescription. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, or if it's I told you we were in Hawaii just a few weeks ago together on, on vacation. I had stepped in a food land, right? It's a super it's a grocery store. Yeah, sensations and feelings came back because that's where a pharmacy was. That's where I was at the height. That was where I had right before we moved to Hawaii in 2012 to get into BYU, right? Mm-hmm. I had quit. I went through a 12 or 15 day detox, right? So like I was serious. Had no idea how to stay quit. So as soon as we got there, yeah. after two weeks sober, ang- you know, it's called post-traumatic, uh, like, you know, like, not anxiety and depression, but, like, basically withdrawal symptom. Yeah. It's called the withdrawal symptom that kicks in. You get depressed. So there were, I was trying to get scripts filled, and I occasionally could get small amounts of opiates, and they'd be being filled there. That weight and anguish to get that script filled in those food lands was, like... You know what I mean? I remember being in there just panting. Wait, when we went in there to get musubis. To get musubis. You, the first time we walked in there, when we were on the North Shore one, yeah. um, even though that wasn't even the one I went to. I went to the one in Laie. I brought back all those memories of, like, really. Okay, but here, here's my question, though. Sorry. My question was, That's how powerful you said to call your sponsor instead of zapping yourself. Yep. Call your sponsor before that point. What is? What are some of those things beforehand? Okay, that's so, true. Yeah. So... That's good. That's why I just went over with a guy today. Yeah, like I, I don't know. Uh, as a normie, I'm trying to visualize yeah, what, what that is. Where is that? Yeah. And I, if I'm like alcoholic, it's like maybe when I go to the grocery store and I'm walking, you know, making no, it's make, okay. So make a, a second question. aisle. I know, I know your question. That's, that's it's, what I'm it's way, It's it's uh, so with sex, pornography, and drugs. It usually has. I mean, with alcohol and drugs, it can be very literal like that. Like, okay, avoid things that lead to drugs, right? Yeah, stay or out like, of the bar. The or bar. Tempted to drive by the bar, maybe. Yeah. Or... Yes. Yes. But with sex and pornography, and those are you still still do it, but it also applies to drugs too. And you'll hear me out. But with sex and pornography, if you live within the Mormon culture, you can avoid it pretty good, right? If you stay off social media and video, like. You're but, not but, hanging around but like you said a key there. If you stay off social media, because like I run, I got a okay. I just posted to uh, a story yeah, on next to podcast. I know what you're saying. And just just the people I just the people that that somehow I follow on the next step podcast. Mm-hmm. Every tenth picture is some butt shot or bikini shot. Totally, but this is different. So let me finish. So like sex sex addicts, they've already created. This is the difference between a normie seeing a butt shot. I'm not saying it's good or bad, but I'm just saying the difference between a normie seeing a sex shot versus someone who's practiced in the addiction of sex or pornography for multiple years. Yes, this is what I want to yeah, understand. Those types of people, 
they they uh, when we once again this habit for most of us including the men's I've sponsored including myself saw pornography at a very young age 10 or under so when you've created the pathways in your brain from that from that age through multiple years of experience it is no longer like you're experiencing something that is a drug you are using it just like I use opiates for pain right originally or we take Tylenol for pain so what I'm getting at is in order to extract your brain from wanting to use that to cope with life because it becomes that way. So you got to look at pornography and sex not as, as a devi- even though it seems devious and it is. You're not addicts are not using it. They don't know this on a subconscious level. They are using sex and pornography and masturbation to treat themselves just like you would pick up an ice pack and put it on your back, like if you hurt a hurt back, and you did it every day, or you took Advil every day because one day when you were a kid, someone told you Advil was going to save everything. So that became your thing to take every day after you take pain. It's addicts are you know humans that have, have gotten to this point where they're viewing sexual pornography and masturbation constantly, never stopping, every day, day in and day out. Think of 365 days times 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Um, that is not, they're not, at that point, you're not seeking sex and pornography. I mean, you, it seems like you are, but you're not. So you say, well, how do I stop that? So, so you're saying that, that if you... Things that trigger gone, you. If you've gone that far, Usually you get to a point you do it every, like anything that can piss you. Like we, you've heard us joking sometimes in the meetings. Say like, if I had a good day, I wanted to use because I want to feel even better. Yeah. If I had a bad day, I want to use because I feel horrible and I want to feel good, yeah. right? Same thing with sex and pornography. Good, bad, or indifferent. If someone treated me, you know, if I had any bit of stress or any bit of anxiety, if I got in a fight with my wife or if someone slighted me at work and I can't, I can't stop thinking about it or I said something that I felt was stupid. And, and most people think about this. You ever said something dumb and you go, man, I shouldn't have said that. Why did I say that? That wasn't really what I meant to say. And then you kind of second guess yourself. Well, some of us, we can't stop that brain from, from regret or mistakes or obsession. And then the addict who has spent most of his life or her life um, treating themselves in the, like treating that problem of the this overanalyzation, the fears, the anxieties and the stress with pornography, that's when you have to reach out. You have to reach out way before you even think about life. Like I said, if you've already thought about looking at pornography, most of us, unfortunately, are going to look at pornography in the beginning. Okay? Okay, so that's interesting. So, that's, so like now I can have a thought come into my mind and say, hey, you should look at pornography. You have a moment right here. I can control that way better today than I could have six years ago. So maybe this, am I, maybe if I can restate it here. Different than, let's, let's take it with uh, alcohol. Mm-hmm. Compare alcohol and pornography. Difference being... Experimentation is, well, I want to see how it feels. Mm-hmm. I want to see what There's it feels to drink. One. I want to see what it, well, I want to see what beer tastes like. I want to see what it feels like to get a buzz from the beer or like whatever you're drinking. Yeah. Would be similar to experimenting with pornography. Is like, ooh, what does that look like? Oh, I want to yeah. see what this feels like. That's that's more of an experimental phase. Totally. It's versus versus, I have Medicating. to go get. I have to go get a drink. Medicating. Yeah. Okay. It's like alcoholics are not drink. I'll start drinking. There's a line that it crossed in the big book. They say where, like most people, if we could have stopped in the beginning of our use, we could have we never needed these meetings for the rest of our lives mm-hmm. because it was still in the experimental phase, or it was still in the social phase, or the casual phase. But when you when it flips, and no yeah. one can, and that, in that, the that moment, line is you don't know what that is. That's no. an individual thing. Yeah, this is this is what you don't get that so, perspective. So you're in so this is where the shame I think comes maybe from. Sp- family members or spouses is you're looking at it as a is, choice still. is you're looking at it as you're choosing to recreate yes. in an inappropriate way and there are still don't get me wrong we all know addicts that are still in denial think yeah 
Ain't nothing wrong with me looking at porn, and ain't nothing wrong with me taking these drugs or smoking weed or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. However, there are those that we know that are trying, right? They've come to these meetings, they've spoken up, they went to a bishop, and they still mess up. So there's a difference in willful rebellion. Rebellion. You need, yeah. Versus you want to stop and you can't. So what we're talking about, like treating the people that have admitted they have a problem but keep slipping every week, right? And they call it relapsing. I just call it you haven't ever got sobriety yet, but you want it, right? So you've 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 gotten step one done. You gotten honest. However, you haven't. What I'm realizing is when people still mess up, and it's almost like clockwork. As soon as they we get to this point, if they've still worked with me long enough to where they're, it's mainly sex addicts, right? It's mainly pornography addicts, where they've done a few steps and they're serious. They've done even a four step and they've confessed about everything. They've talked about everything. They've made a real effort at this point. They've done a lot of self reflection. They haven't really. If you're still messing up, nine out of ten times is because. You're not realizing that you must reach out to your sponsor and connect with your sponsor who has been through this way before you get tempted. You have to reach out to him every time you get a, a negative thought. Every time, because remember, we're not talking about uh, people that don't medicate. We're talking about people who have self-medicated with pornography or sex their whole life. So these are not everyday people. Everyday people can deal with a depressive thought for a moment and get and discard it. And, and your sponsor or your support group, right? Because you yeah. and, and those well, refer to better a lot best. of like yeah. of sponsor and then you also have like a, a text thread yeah. and, and groups of people that you meet. In, totally. In, in but generally with what I'm talking about, you need to reach out to a sponsor because okay. you, uh, that's you. And, and I tell my sponsors, if you can't, if if you need a call, call. If you don't and you just know you need to get it out there because you're not going to do it but you just want to shoot a text, shoot a text. Either or. But you or just leave a voicemail. Leave a voicemail. Like, you yeah. will feel relief like, instantaneous because it's like we heard tonight. Uh, our brother said that getting it on paper, he was talking about generally writing yeah. to himself. But even then he even made the connection with, oh, when I put this out there, the disattach, you are allowed to like get that that hindsight 2020 it's like you pull yourself out of the scenario and you get the bird's eye view and you go oh wait a minute i'm not looking at this because right and i've i've worked with so many guys now when you say that to them that finally clicks they're like oh wait this whole time i thought i was just extra obsessed with women no it turns out you just are really crappy with dealing with everyday problems and that and that became that's your thing yeah if that wasn't your thing, it'd be something else. And everyone has their thing, but there's a lot of things that are healthier than the important. And, and I think a lot of church members have have healthy things. Totally. Service. I'll bake cookies for someone. I'm going to oh, go oh, do this. We've heard the apostles talk about being yeah. busy but not really getting stuff done. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like like women and men, like yeah. checklists. I yeah. remember uh, Uchtdorf giving a talk about that years ago about checklists and being busy and yeah. how like... But there's also being actually in a good, in a good cause. So it's a fine line, yeah. right? Like some of us, and I've done this before where you like, you know, you, it's the same. You can take it to the office or we can talk about church callings like you are. Being busy and serving other where your family needs help or you personally need help. Mm-hmm. You need to take a step back and go, okay, I'm doing something extremely stressful. It is better to like, uh, yes, to serve to get your mind out of it. But if it's something that needs course correction, meaning like picking up the phone and reaching out for help, then it's better to take a moment, slow down, not be so busy in your routine to reach out to someone and say, hey, dude, I, I may be fine. I just, I'm, I'm struggling right now with this. It has nothing usually to do with sex or and, pornography right, for an right. and, and check it out. Another close on this thought. Why do you think we have accountability interviews for, with your bishop and for temple recommends? So you have that opportunity it's, it's to get that off. It's literally the same so, pattern. So we have that same pattern that I don't think most people realize. Why is that? I mean, I, I, I always uh, 
pick on the distractors of the church. You're like, or is a bishop? We can go in there and do it because this is like the clean-out process to keep us clean, cleaned yeah. up. Yes, people. T- yes, the people that leave and are negative and and they, they talk crap on this part. I watched a little mini documentary about the church in this the other day about a defector. <laughs> I call them a defector. Defector, right there. Defectors. Yeah, yeah. Um, complaining about this and having to go in and confess and all stuff. But now we're finding out in society where we're all quote unquote connected. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna None go. I'm connected. gonna go pay for therapy, but I'm not gonna go. Yeah, do it or, to my or not. And they or just that. like they live a horrible, miserable yeah, life internally. That. On the outside, it looks fine. They post the pictures, but in where like can you imagine like the Lord is so smart he laid this out from way before AA 1830 church was established right interviews I don't know when they came about but I see the wisdom in it I see well confession is back gospel principles and and, 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 yeah in the beginning we look at his confession now it's like I want I know a dude's gonna make it with me as a sponsee is when he feels comfortable to reach out but confessions every bishop meeting I've been to is like how are you doing yeah it's not like, hey, what's in there? It's, yeah. it's just, how you doing? Yeah. How's this we going? We have to do, yeah, so, because we were conditioned from kids, right? Like, this is the third, you know. And going. that's where sometimes I think as parents we do bad. Good, go, bad. Oh, go to tell the bishop. You're, go to tell the bishop. Or you're that. good or you're bad, right? You're or a good you're kid bad. or bad kid. No, yeah. you're just a kid yeah. or you're just an adult or you're just a person. Yeah. And some of us have learned very unhealthy ways to deal with stress. Boom. News. Got into some real talk. Uh, we got a... Uh, Excellent. Ask the Addict. Uh, Very good one. Brian, repeat. Brian! Ask the Addict. Uh, today we saw him. He's in a suit uh, getting ready to get, uh, well, yeah, we say it. He gets, yeah. He's getting married. Yeah, he talks uh, about it on two here. two weeks. He yeah. talks about it. So it went from, uh, the, he's going to, you're going to hear his whole journey. I mean, just think about it. I mean, so, you guys know this already, but like, just so you know, this guy went inactive for around 17-ish years old, 16, 17 years old for 20 years. And he shares about living, being homeless, sitting in the gutter with his bottle of booze. I don't know if that was one of in, t- in between jail stuff. To fast forward to today, getting going to get married, be a seed in the temple. And you're sitting here listening to this and you're thinking, yeah. what can I do? Remember what Brad always says, and we just talked about it a little bit. What can I do in my ward or my stake or my area? This was a little cause and effect from me and Brad going and talking to wards. And someone gave us a number, and it took a while for that person to call, and Brian was him. And look, at the Lord had him prepared finally at 20 years, out running amok. And he was prepared to finally get a phone call or to get a number, which was my number, and to come and meet me and Brad and meet the ward, meet the stake. And he's fully, I mean... This is just like, he, he embraced the twelve steps. Yep. He he did it. He did what the he steps prepared. tell you in the manual. The gathering. You, you brought this up tonight. Like we're in the gathering of yeah. Israel, and there are people ready to be gathered. Yeah, we're not coercing people into sobriety here, <laughs> or the gospel. So enjoy that, uh, and enjoy this episode. And Love? if you uh, you actually need one more thing from me, guys. Oh, one more thing. Get on whatever you listen to this podcast and rank us. Rate us five stars. Yeah. Give us a five star. Uh, that can boost it up. So however many people that listen, just push pause right now. Yeah. Take a second. Keep listening. Go on there. Five star it with whatever app you did. Uh, that will really help uh, get Other listeners up. follow this. Yeah. Okay. okay. That's it. Later. An act. Uh, congratulations, to everyone who took a chip. 90, this is 90 days, right?
Dude, congrats, man. 90 days is um, it's pretty tough. Um, first 90 days, it was a pretty big... I was in a, I was in a pretty big uh, fog. I was toxing from a lot of drugs. And um, my wife, I don't think we were talking yet. At that point, I was sleeping on my mom's couch, and it was a pretty rough time. And I think back to when around that time and... You know, to see you like thriving in your in your 90 days is pretty cool, and to have your wife already with you, that's awesome. And congrats, Denise, that's amazing. You know, and just proves that you know it doesn't matter your age, doesn't matter where you're at. It just just it just when you get honest, it works. Like it just works. Like if you don't get honest, though, then you'll probably die with your disease. Like that's how it works. And Brian, I remember when. Um, Brian was dating someone and, and that and who had a brother in our ward and um, we spoke, me and Brad, I think, and Lexi and, and we we're doing our little speaking tour about the new meeting and, and we we're just doing a roundabout and and it came up and said, oh, I, I got this, I got this, um, my sister's got this boyfriend who's a stud. He's just an awesome guy and he's struggling. And um, I gave him your number. I just want to know he may or may not call you. I said, sweet, I hope he does. And I just went on with my day and when the day that Brian called, I don't know what I drank that day, but I was sober for sure. But I was like, I was definitely on one. And uh, I was just a little feisty and it was a rough, may have been a rough day. I don't know what it was, but Brian called and uh, I definitely did not sugarcoat anything. And uh, I wasn't trying to, it was just one of those days. And, uh, but I remember just Brian calling and just being straight up and no BS, no hiding anything. Just this is where I'm at. And, uh, I was told you can help me. And I said, well, I'd, I will see if you show up tonight. And it was like a Wednesday night. I'm like, at 7 o'clock, you know, like, we'll see if you really want this or not. And if you don't come, like, you won't come. Like, you know what I mean? But I'm not going to go searching or no one's going to call and look for you. Like, if you come, you're going to probably feel the spirit and your life's probably going to change. And I said a bunch of other things that were pretty intense. But, uh, uh, and I remember that call like it was yesterday because I remember hanging up going, that was a little rough. Maybe I should call that guy back. And then, um, and, uh, because I didn't even know him. And, uh, but I remember like that on it, like what I was saying was what someone said to me. And that's what worked. Like, you know, there was no sugarcoating when I, when I, when my bottom hit, when I was at my bottom, my wife left. If anyone was going to coddle me, I was going to die. I would have took another pill and I would have died. Like, it's just, I was at the end of my rope. And, um, and, uh, sure enough, Right, 7 o'clock, Wednesday night meeting. I think Marmot called and was like, hey, there's this guy here waiting for you. <laughs> he, he thought I was you or something like that. And I'm like, oh, man, he actually came. That's, okay, this guy's serious. Like, that was intense. And then, he, and then he comes and walks in, and he says as we're walking in, I haven't been to a church in 17 years or 18 years. I'm like, oh, even more rad. <laughs> like, I'm like, well, welcome back. You know, it's just like there's no, you know, anyways. And then the meeting was great, as always. And then we left, and, man, you know, It proves that if you want this, you can get it. And me and Lexi stayed up till midnight talking last night about, you know, feeling sorry for certain people that have chosen in the past that all of us have chosen at one point or are maybe still out running and gunning with their drug of choice or alcohol or wherever they're doing self-harm. And we want, naturally we want to have pity and we want to, we want to make excuses for why they're not successful in their being healthy and happy. I'm not talking about business. I'm talking about life, like mentally, spiritually. And what it comes down to is that when I finally got honest with myself, it was the most freeing moment because I realized um, I, it was such a purity. I realized that if my choices got me to where I was to, at that moment, 
And it wasn't circumstances, right? It wasn't anyone else's fault. It was my fault. If I could just admit that, it was my fault. Everything was my fault. And I got myself there, then that means if I made different choices, then I can, I can be somewhere else in a, a year, two years, three years, four years, and so on. That was huge for me. I was like everyone else. It was everyone else's fault. It was, it was minimizing. It was justification. It was God's fault. It was my wife's fault. It was the doctor's fault. It was the pharmacy's fault. It was everyone's fault. And that, when it finally, when no more excuses seemed to work anymore because no one was buying them anymore, um, and I was just sitting there on a couch by myself with my mom's dog, you know, <laughs> and my son in diapers, you know, like going, well, is this my life? Is this really what I, like, <laughs> oh, everything changed. And it changed because I had to keep coming back to this step, and I had to do this step first, and the next step, and the next step, and the next step. Like Christy said, it's easy to come in here and look at everyone where you want to be and go, oh, they just woke up that way. Hell no. Um, it, took, it took brutal honesty admitting that my entire being was flawed, not just one little drug problem. My entire being was flawed because of me, no one else. And uh, it's a pretty rough spot to be in when you really admit that. It's pretty, it's pretty, it's like an open wound staring at yourself, and, and it's rough. But like we've talked about, me and Brian have talked about this in length, hope comes in instantly when you get that honest. And that, to me, proves that Christ is real because that shouldn't happen when, you, when you're brutally honest, but you instantly feel this, okay, there's hope. And that's the light of Christ, and then you just keep moving forward one step at a time. And I am so grateful that I got to be a part of your recovery. And, um, and um, it just, you know, it's not easy to come back. And uh, you did it. It's proof. This program works. And uh, now you're helping other people. And he could have got sober and just disappeared, like, like some people do. And instead, he's here serving. And that's a, that's a huge example to me. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Jay, are you ready? I'm born ready. We have Ask the Attic with Brian. Brian hey, is back on the podcast. If we were good podcasters, we'd already have the previous interview schedule or referenced. Wait, good. We're great. At least we're good. We're not great. We're, great. we're good. We're not great. From XYZ episode. Yeah. Search. So if you're true fans, you know what episode. How about that? I think we have a lot of true fans, so we're good. Um... Brian, this is your second or third time? This is my third. Third time. Third three-peat on the podcast. Um, I think it's time for a little catch-up. Can you, um, in case people are too lazy to go back and listen, give us like a two-minute, three-minute top uh, recap of what brought you into the rooms of ARP um, where were you before then? And uh, then we'll spend more time just talking about where you're at in recovery now and the next things in life that uh, I think are pretty dang cool. All right. The three-minute version is... Um, and every now and again, they got your shares because you were facilitated for a while. 
So if you're also a frequent listener, um, Brian's sh- uh, share gets popped in there every now and again. Yeah, I just f- facilitated for the last six months, turned the, turned the tables over to Gary. He's taken over Tuesday night meeting. Um, but going back, um, I pretty much came back to church, uh, to the gospel, about a little over two years ago. And um, it was through coming to uh, ARP meeting and... I had spent a lot of my life um, seeking the things of the world and found myself addicted to multiple things, uh, weed, alcohol, opiates, pornography, um, pretty much the whole gamut. And uh, I was at a a crossroads and I, I came to an ARP meeting and felt the spirit and I, I knew that that this was going to help. And I had had some exposure to Alcoholics Anonymous and 12-step meetings. In fact, um, I took a year sober, uh, April 21st of this year. So my sobriety date is April 21st, 2018. And when I came in and and took my year chip here at ARP meeting, I, I brought in all my I found all my AA chips that I had taken, and a lot of those chips were 60 days, uh, 90 days, um, and there was even there was even a year chip in there that I had taken, but I had been smoking weed the entire year, so we call those dirty chips. Um, but I, I kept all of them, and uh, it was powerful when you laid those up on the table during your share. Yeah, it was like a. There's tons of them, and uh, it just made me think of, well, having that exposure to, to alcohol, Alcoholics Anonymous and the 12 Steps was, was key because when I first came to ARP, you know, the, the structure was very similar and, the, and the, the methodology I recognized right away, but um, the, the biggest difference is the atonement of, of Jesus Christ and feeling the gospel here was something that, like, the light of Christ was just pinging, you know, and, and it was like, you, ding, when, ding, ding, ding. When you came to ARP, you weren't planning on coming back to church. No, I, no, not at all. I was gonna, I was making concessions that I was going to try and uh, find recovery again. Cause I had pretty much given up, but I, I was sick and tired of losing relationship after relationship. And, and so I thought, and I, and I knew I had enough uh, experience and track history to know that that my addictions were the were the cause of, of all my relationship problems, and it was the reason why I couldn't why I couldn't maintain a girlfriend for more than a few years because I would just you know lie and cheat and I would have a relationship with my substances, and when you're having a relationship with your substances, then you're everyone else comes second, and you uh, and I you you just you're just a, I was just a bad person and uh, lied a lot. Um, unfaithful and, and just basically did whatever I wanted to do. So, um, yeah, ARP is, uh, I finally found after, and I did, I came, so I came back, I came to ARP and was like, okay, I'm going to give this a shot. And, uh, but I told myself that I wasn't going to go back to church. And, uh, it's funny how things, funny how you, you give your, 
you start following little promptings and, and the Lord will take you to places that you've never even dreamed of. And, and that first Sunday you came to church. Yeah. Right? Right. Like from the, from the week we, you stepped into a meeting. Yeah. Cause Jay, my sponsor Jay was like, I think you should come to church. And I was like, yeah, I think I should. And, uh, <laughs> did, did, were you surprised you were saying that? Like when you said, yeah, I should. Well, you're like, did I, I just say that? By then he felt the spirit. Uh, I think like, it, gosh. yeah, I just kind of knew and. You just, you just surrendered. Surrendered, yeah. Dude, Brian was I, in, like, not to speak ahead, but like, he was in a place where I remember, it, like, the spirit, spirit tells you to do, say different things to different people, but I remember, like, clear as day being like, don't hold back, like, he needs to come to church. And so I was just like, dude, awesome. And I didn't even realize his first meeting he hadn't been to church in 20 something years, hadn't stepped into it. So then by the time he had already done that, he liked it and he shared his story about the experience. I'm like, sweet. Okay, cool. Come sit next to me in church with my family. <laughs> and that was, and when he said yep, I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, and, and Jay's bishop was like, hey, welcome, you know. And I even ran into someone that I had gone to high school with, yeah. kid that I had known from seminary, and she freaked out and was like, what are you doing here? And um, Jay's, Jay's bishop was like, you're, you're welcome to come to this ward. And I was like, well, okay, I really like it. And then uh, I talked to my folks and my mom was like you should probably go where you're where where you live you should probably go to the ward boundaries that you're in and uh brad was on his um lds tools tools going this is your bishop he's super cool you know he's even cooler than this bishop (laughs) whoa 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 whoa, whoa. (laughs) we love i just said that just to get him like my bishop is way (laughs) he said something along those lines about that i was going to be in good hands and so i I put on my big boy pants and i i I showed up to my ward and yeah and, and people just i walked into possibly the best ward ever um but i i think what's funny is you never know it's sometimes hard to see the lord's hand in your life when you're when you're going through things you know you're like was that was that was that maybe but as you as you go through life and then you look back it's easy to see where the lord has just given you tender mercies and you know i'm in a a situation now where i'm going to be going to a different ward and Looking back, coming into the Laguna Niguel ward and having that bishop and having all those people, it was just exactly what I needed, you know, because I had so much fear and trepidation and I had had, and I still had some old thinking of, you know, a a bishop that I had some problems with, you know, when I was 16 and and a lot of reasons why I I stopped coming to church in the first place. So resentments, resentments. Yeah. And so, yeah. Well, the uh, you got some cool things coming up. Uh, I mean, it, 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 it seems like it's been very fast, you know, if we just look back over the last couple of years. But what's flashing through my mind is that first time you went to church, the next thing flashing my mind is sitting right over here and seeing your mom and dad and you were ordained to the priesthood. Yeah, um, yeah, that picture's up in my parents, uh, in their parent, my parents' bedroom. And uh, they were just at a loss of words. I mean, I just remember them like... It was just beautiful. The temple. Then the next thing was seeing you in the temple in the celestial room with your family. And to me, just like, I mean, I can't read your parents' mind, but your mom's mind was just like thanking Heavenly Father for 
the prayers, the many prayers of her aunt, of her praying. The tears of joy. Tears of joy there. Finally, then, tears of joy instead of tears, tears of, of, like of pain, man. Yeah. But that wasn't, uh, like, you had some relapses, right? Like, yeah, this yeah. wasn't like, oh, you went to a first ARP meeting and went to church and then happily ever after. Shot off like a rocket, took off on the gospel rocket and thought I was, thought I was cured and thought I was healed. And then I've, I've mentioned it before in many shares. In fact, and even in the last podcast that I did with you guys, I mentioned that I stopped doing those last three steps. And I stopped praying, and I, I stopped doing uh, what my bishop asked me to do. Uh, he asked me if I would read the Book of Mormon every day uh, for the rest of my life, whether it was a word or whether it was a whole chapter, but at least if I, if I open up the Book of Mormon every day the rest of my life. He said, I, and I'd be good. And uh, I stopped doing that. And uh, do, you remember the, do you remember making a conscience, or was it just a busy day and you forgot? Or No, I had actually gone to the doctor for a sinus infection, and they prescribed me uh, cough medicine. Mm. And that craving that you get when you're an addict like me, once I, once I took that opiate, it was like, I don't want to say that I didn't have control, but the, the drive was really strong. and Pandora box is open. The door is open. And if I would have done the little things, then I would have just I would have just called Jay and said, Hey, I'm sitting in a doctor's office and they want to give me cough syrup. You know, what should I do? And he would have been like, You know what to do. You know, and if I would have been doing those little things, then when it came to that point of looking off the cliff, I I probably wouldn't have jumped. And you know, sometimes what came to mind too is that uh, when you say that you know, because there's, there's going to be incidences in our life where, you know, some of us, we, you know, we can't avoid life's challenges, physical. But I, just the... Says Jay sitting with an arm sling. Yeah. <laughs> and not an obvious. Thank you very much. This would have been back in the day, like, oh, yeah. Golden ticket. Heck, yeah, dude. I, I for sure got something torn. And if it wasn't, I'm going to crank my arm back a little bit more and make sure. And in there, let's do another MRI. But uh, it's interesting I, I knew for this is what's a trip. So I hurt my arm, but uh, I could have went right to the, the uh, to the ER and got an X-ray, knowing that they can't really do much more than that. And but at least I'll get a free ticket. But what I'm getting at, I, not to go on that tangent, is that you recognizing the fact the reason why you're at where you're at today is the fact that you your ability to be honest and recognize where we fall. That's because that's the same with me. I look at where I am today is based on. The Spirit testifying to me, not other people saying it, the Spirit in my mind, because people would say it, but us recognizing it as truth, right, and then being able to go, okay, that's where I slip, because a, a simple phone call to a, a, I've seen this in my own life, I've had to take Tylenol of coding a few times in the last six and a half years, but thank God, um, you know, I called a sponsor ahead of time, because even with that, as soon as that enters your body, it's like, ooh, there's the juice, there it is, that's what I've been looking for. And then it's crazy how obsessive you can get. There's been, every time I've taken Tylenol of coding, the three times, I think it's been three, um, I for sure didn't need it within a day, right? There's four, five, six, whatever left in the bottle. And every time, the obsession was to keep, just in case. Okay, normal people don't keep things yeah. just in case. I mean, I guess they do, but you know what I mean? It's not you shouldn't, right? You don't, you don't, you don't hold, think about it. Yeah, 
I the obsession. Yeah, the, exactly. A normal person that's not an addict. I heard a guy share about this last week in another meeting, saying that this just happened to him. And I, and I commend him. He, he's new in recovery, so he, of course he felt shame. And I was like, bro, I got six and a half years. <laughs> it just happened to me a few months back. Like, And every time me and my wife both feel the same, and this is with coming clean ahead of time and all that stuff, getting everyone on the same page so you're checking in with multiple people. Um, it, it doesn't, it, we're never free from that obsession once it enters in the bloodstream. But, because the allergy is always there, but the, my ability to, I believe, this is a gift, and this is the gift you will have now because of your honesty, and, and it's why you're sitting here sober, and amongst many other things, is because of being able to, to be honest. And, uh, you know what I mean? Just admit, because, like, and, and being able to flush them when they need to be flushed. You know what I mean? Like, they did with the weed the first night. Boom. Flushed it. Like, dude, it's just rad. Like, these are well, the, also key in, too, because you mentioned calling your sponsor. Yeah. You, you should have called your sponsor. And... Our last episode, we talked a lot about it, and we get a lot of people emailing us, Brian, about, you know, what's the sponsor thing? Yeah, you know, in, in our in our ARP meetings, they they don't do sponsors, and um and we just read step five in our meeting tonight, and I'm like, how does someone go through step five and not think you need a sponsor? And I'm gonna read it like, you know, step five was confession. We selected another trusted person whom we could disclose the exact same nature of our wrongs. We tried to select someone who had gone through steps four and five. So that's not your bishop. That's not the normie like me who's a group leader or missionary. This is someone who's gone through the steps. And in 12-step meetings, that's called a sponsor. It doesn't use that lingo in here. Uh, I don't know why, but that's that role of sponsor. And that's both of you guys clued in is if you call me, you tell me this. If you ask me and I'm like, dude, don't take that stuff with coding, you probably wouldn't take that as seriously if Jay said it. Or if I say, or I might go, dude, whatever. It's just like cough syrup. Just like, I wouldn't understand the ramifications of it. Like, so that's why. There there would be, you could say, there would be things that that Brad could say that that could talk us off the wall. But that's the, that's the power of another addict. addict, And that's the power of. Who's done this step too with you. You've got that bond. Exactly. Someone that's. I mean that's that's how Christ can can sucker us best is he knows exactly you know what we go through and it's just like when I'm sitting down and looking at Jay I know that he's been through the same stuff I have so without even having to speak there's just an understanding and there's an empathy and that's that's really how how Dr. Bob and and Bill the founders of Alcoholics Anonymous that's how they figured out that this thing there's some magic to another alcoholic Talking to it, just talking to another alcoholic. There's some, there's some good juju that, that goes that, on. It's that empathy. It's what you said. I mean, that's the word that comes to my mind in the last couple of years. They didn't even recognize, or maybe they did, but that is the essence of the atonement. Like that's the essence of Christ-like attributes. Like if you can take all the Christ-like attributes and put them in one, in my opinion is empathy. Because to truly have empathy means. That means you completely to the fullest extent. Joe, don't judge. And when I finally got to the point that you, you love the person for who they are, you don't judge them for who they are, but yet you may not agree with them, right? The Savior loves me when I sin, just as much as he loves me when I don't, but he sure as heck doesn't agree with me when I sin versus when I don't. Does that make sense? So um, yeah. when me and Brian sat together, like everyone else, that was a special, when we did his fourth and fifth, I mean, not to go all the way back, we just read it tonight, so it's on my mind, but um, it was it was a special. Dude, it was like a, like you said. It's a bonding that's time. That's a bonding too. time that, like, and I, it always is that way for most of people, but with Brian specifically, we uh, we're like you said, we're alike, and we're alike in so many ways. We're just we just had different paths, different lives, different ages, and you know he's 
got years on me, and, and it was just cool to, I don't know, it's just it's cool to see it doesn't matter where we come from, our experiences. For, God can put me and him in the same room. Not, I mean, we should have never met, but we did, and it turns out that we are like, we, I, we think the same. We may not have all the same personality traits, but we think exactly the same when it comes to this disease and where and the lies we can tell ourselves as well as the truth. So, but the so you're getting ready to uh, have a big life event, aren't you, Brian? Yeah. So, um, it's funny. I've been doing a lot of reflecting recently. Um, I'm I'm going to be engaged shortly here, and we're going to be getting married uh, June 29th, yeah. and then we're going to be getting uh, sealed in the temple as soon as. As soon as Salt Lake unseals her to her ex, ex-husband. Um, when, and when you were sitting in jail, <laughs> or you were the depths of addiction and you were taking substances that weren't meant to be taken to get high, could you, I mean, to, could you fathom, I, you fathom I, like, I remember, I'm going to... Was, I was homeless for, for a while. I was in Sacramento. Don't ask me why. Um, it, it was involving a girl and I was, I had been kicked out of her house and I was homeless and I was in a ditch. I was in a big culvert ditch by a road. And I remember just drinking and staring up at the stars and just cussing at God and being like, why, why did you desert me? You know, like, why did this happen to me? You know, why, why am I here in a ditch? And, uh, I was telling Megan, my my soon-to-be fiancé, I was saying, you know, if you were to ask me five years ago that I would be a priesthood holder, um, going to church, had gone to the temple, getting married to a lady who has four children, and I would have told you you're crazy, you know, and that's that's five years ago, and it's just amazing how, how your, you know, your life can change based on just a few simple decisions. The trajectory, you know, at the time is 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 little bits, but the the, the outcome of it, you know, if you look were to look at it on like a timetable graph, is just crazy of what can happen. The destination is so crucial based on those little decisions, is what you're saying. And it's so easy, Brad, like what you said earlier, I was thinking, how many people can walk and this what we all do. Even we all do this. Even though you've had this experience, you do it, I do it, we all do it. You look at the, it's that tip of the iceberg, right? Like where you're at today, it's easy for someone to listen. I guarantee we have a listener right now listening to this, going, it, it, you know, in the beginning, like, ah, well, it, it must have been easy for them, like, you know, oh, he must have not, he doesn't know what I've been like. But you stick uh, around remember, long enough, it's like I remember thinking the same thing when I first came to meetings. You know, yep. I'm never gonna get that much time. Yeah. How, or, that guy's got it so good. You know, yeah, How he must he have had handouts to get there. Like, you know what I mean? His life must be better than mine, easier than mine. You name it, all the bull crap that say tells us in our mind. Uh, it remind me of uh, this post. Um, this is uh, a lady that lives around here, but this picture of this. Young man sitting on the curb right here. Oh, man. Empathy for that guy. Yeah. There's a Matt, uh, I think it's a public Facebook post. Max and his mom need a lot of prayers. Max left the rehab he was in. He hadn't been in several weeks, and his mom hadn't heard from him. I was actually pretty worried. I saw him yesterday and immediately called his mom. It was her birthday, so I guess it was a gift to know he was okay. But he's far from okay. He has been on the streets so long he could be beyond rehabilitation if something does not change soon. He said he, he is more comfortable on the street sleeping under a bridge because he feels so judged. This is not a member of the church. This is just 
someone that lives in our town. Uh, we need more places. Uh, you know, we need help. But, like, he feels so ashamed, he'd rather sleep on the street under the bridge than go home and, and those around him. And even though these people are praying and going up and talking to him and trying to give him help, they're, when you mentioned being homeless in the gutter, you probably felt similar to that, right? Yeah, I mean, shame, and that's, you know what, one thing I've learned since I've been back to church is that the Satan tries to separate us and isolate us, and we heard a lot of talk about it tonight, you know, the darks, the dark areas where is like fungus, where, where, you know, bad stuff just grows, and Satan always tries to separate us from the light and keep us, keep us isolated, you know, and the Lord always wants to bring towards light or, or bring together, you know, strengthen us, connectiveness, and, and Satan's always trying to push us apart and separate us from the herd. That's weird. And, and like, yeah, I mean, like it, we heard the saying, it takes a village, and so it's like if you're on your, lo- you're on your own, you can't do this. You just can't. If you're listening to this and you're, you think you're going to get this type of story that Brian's talking about, um, but just listening to this podcast, as much as we love what we do and we think it's awesome and unique and whatever, it's not going to work for you. You need to go plug in and find those people that Heavenly Father has prepared for you. And this moment doesn't make they're perfect, right? I wasn't perfect for I wasn't perfect when Brian met me. I ain't perfect today, but I know for a fact because I had many opportunities where the Spirit witnessed to me that we were meant to meet each other at that exact moment, and that everything in my life's experience was perfect for Brian's situation and he has now been that for others and I've heard people say that about him so and and I think if you just unplug and you just want to think you're going to isolate and you're going to get recovery you're you're lying to yourself that's not how it worked for Brian it's not how it worked for me it's not how it's going to work for any of us even Brad Brad can't reach his you know being a normie can't reach per you know I you know exaltation without other people serving him you know starting with the savior and then on down we all we, yeah, I just, I love how this is all about connectedness. And yeah, and that, you know, the Lord has always had, from from since Adam and yeah. Eve left the Garden of Eden, He's always had imperfect mortals to to good. help get His work done, you yeah. know? And um, Scriptures are full. Paul, he was Saul. He was a rebellious person. Paul wrote a lot of Scriptures in the New Testament. Alma the Younger, Sons of Messiah, like... Dudes that were gnarly. Yeah. King Lamona. Like, King, dude, yeah. people that, like, were rulers over people. I mean, the Paul and Saul one is, is one of the most amazing ones. Yeah. Like, dude, that guy was persecuting believers. Mm-hmm. He was the chief lawyer, you know, they think, you know, that was doing the stuff that he did, working with the Romans. Like, I mean. But, but he wondered, did he, was, did that experience help him connect with people? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And that's, and there, it has to have. I mean, yeah. reading this book, The Search for Man's Search for Meaning. And it's an old book. It's awesome. It's a guy, a Holocaust uh, survivor, and he's a world-renowned psychiatrist, a well therapist. And um, but it, but he's saying this that like the ability to empathize with others is generally based upon your your understanding. Because once again, you, we can all go through. Tra- all three of us can go to the same concentration camp and all make it out alive. And all three of us can have different views of how that experience. One can be bitter for the rest of their life, and so it allows them to isolate because you don't get it. You know how painful it was. I've met people like that. Uh, one can say like, "Oh, you know, it's good." This, that, the other. And the other person can do like this doctor did, where he he said in his last interview before he passed away, well, "Why is he still doing this?" Well, it was eighties or whatever age he was. He's like, this, "This is this is I have had a witness from God that this is my basically what he said." I'm paraphrasing 
that this is my unique story that I must. He gets all passionate. It's freaking amazing. It's on YouTube. you got to watch this. He goes, you know, it's what we're talking about. I was saved, and I know for a fact it is my duty to give it to other people. That's how I feel. I know it's exactly how Brian feels, as well as, as you, Brad, just with your life experiences, because you get to a certain point where, at least I do, and I'm, I know you all do too, is uh, you get to a point you realize I am literally just a combination of a many other people who have served me, right? And my ability to understand that and see it through, God, through the spiritual eyes of truth. Because when I was in my ego, I don't see that. No. Right? No, there's a, there's a sentence in my, in my patriarchal blessing. That was another thing that I got in the mm. last two years, uh, right after the priesthood. And before the temple, I, I received the patriarchal blessing. And one of, the, one of the sentences in there is that I will grow in the gospel to, to watch the sanctification of the downtrodden. Mm. And, and to me, that just means, you know, based upon my faithfulness, I'll be able to help people. You know, sanctification of the downtrodden. I mean, how many... I can think of a lot of situations where downtrodden is the perfect word for a lot of souls out there, you know. And you're already doing it. That's the best part. Yeah, you're, Brian you're, doesn't have to wait till exaltation to do this. There's people listening that are just like me and Brian, and just like all of us, where you get to the you get in these head spaces where you think, well, when I get here, when I get there, then I'll go serve. Dude... You, you already have been, and you're doing it now, and which you is, continue will. Which is why he's yeah. where he's at still today. Like, if he had, like he said earlier, like as soon as you unplug, same as I unplug, as soon as we stop giving back what we've been given freely, it, go, it will go away faster than it started. And, and uh, some of us have started pretty fast, you know, a young age, boom. We, me, and, me and Brian were on the same age the first time. We, we did the same things, you know. So, and, and yet it can be, you can fully... Be changed through Christ, and uh, it's but it's maintenance. You know, it's maintained on your what you're giving away. Brian's out there giving away, sponsoring people, and and once again, not hiding under a bushel, getting on a podcast that goes worldwide. Brian could be changing his name. He could be hiding. He could not want to do this, and I and whatever. That's how people are. I don't necessarily condone it, but I just uh, you know he's not doing that, and it's awesome. It's freaking awesome, and that's uh, why. It's, once again, this is. <laughs> If we're just looking at the iceberg, it's like, wow, this is amazing. About to get engaged. Look at his life. It's so cool. Realistically, under that water has been a road, a road. Just like, you know, the rest of us, like a roller coaster. It's been a rocky road. It's been ups and downs, and it it hasn't been easy. Like I said, I, you know, I I relapsed twice. Um, Those are, those became learning, learning episodes in time for me. Um, Something I can put in my my experience vault of okay yeah no I know what to do now, I know how important it is to do steps ten eleven and twelve and that's we're here on earth to to grow you know we're here on earth to make mistakes and to to repent and and figure our figure ourselves out, you know a way out of it and the more we grow the more we get to take with us to the next life you know I've been thinking a lot about about getting married, you know, and um, I still have a lot of, I mean, I've been a bachelor, I'm 40, I turned 43 this year, and I've, I've never been married, and I've, I've basically had a, a bachelor party for the last <laughs> 26 years, 20, you know, 30 years, and... Uh, Is it happy? Because the world, Hollywood says that that's the life. No. Yeah, did I miss all, out on stuff? All, yeah, ask, did all Brad got married young? Did he... Did what did I miss out no, on? No, he didn't miss out on anything. That's right. Nothing at all, and 
you know, I'm thinking like this is this is going to be my next um, period of growth. You know, I can see, I can see why uh, getting married is and and getting sealed in the temple is a, is an ordinance necessary for exaltation because the things that you gain being married, you know, this is going to be. Yeah, I'm excited to get married, and I, I, I love this this lady. I think she was put in my path for a certain reason, and um, she's the first girl that, you know, I actually want to hang around longer than two months and, like, do stuff. And, you know, even, you know, we haven't been able to have sex, but it's it's been able for us to focus on everything else, you know, yeah. and, and I a still want to talk to her. I still want to hang out with her. A real you know? relationship. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. Healthy. This, you know, so... You know, being married is going to bring it about its own struggles and its own trials, and I and I already know they're they're just right around the corner. But it's just going to be, it's the next it's the next growth, and it's t- absolutely necessary for me to experience you know marriage, you know for the next for the ne- for the eternities. You know, what it's going to make me that much better. And being a self, I'm I'm still a selfish addict at heart. What, deep down, I still want to do whatever I want to do, and I can already tell it's gonna. That's one of the first challenges that's gonna be for me is having to it's still sacri- sacrifice <laughs> and, and set yeah. aside and you yeah. know put put children that are not of my own. Yeah. Uh, they're not my own kids. You know, they're they come with Megan. They're they're a package deal, and I, I do love them all. But it's gonna be a challenge, you know, to to sacrifice the things I want to do to, you know, to help raise them. But, uh, but you sacrificed a lot already and it's paid off. Yeah. Like, it's, it's totally so where will this go? You know, that's why I was going to say is I love this because dude, yeah. I mean, I can't imagine going into my marriage with this program. Like luckily we found it. We would have never gone back together. We, you know, we, our life fell apart. You mean if you had this before you yeah, got married? Yeah, like to, yeah. To, to be where Brian's at and the headspace he's at. And Megan has come to ARP meetings yeah, with you and in. goes through this, like okay. she understands the steps. and He has tools, and we say this like, and it's so, it sounds cliche, but you know what? If you think it's cliche, you're probably in denial and you're in your ego. Because when you go through it the way we've, we've just described tonight so far, dude, these are like the most valuable principles that are fully applicable, not what's the word I always get this wrong the esoteric where it's just out in the air like it's kind of like in the ethers ethers theories no these are things Brian has skills that he can apply the first fight when they're married the first like all these things that I am literally I think once again God having that mercy on someone you know because dude my addiction was the least of my problems with Lexi okay and I don't know if I've ever said this out loud but, like, the pills just astrobate. Like, ex- I was a psychopath. <laughs> I was the rudest human being on the planet. I was demeaning. I was, I was, I thought she was stupid. And I was put, we were married so I can help her, right? And, of course, I wanted to be married to someone and have children. But, like, I knew more. I was more spiritual. I was this. I was that. I had these life experiences. Blah, blah, blah. All of it is wrong. All of that was wrong. And I can't believe I lived that way. For those years, and if it took me getting hooked to opiates to then look, to cause her to finally find her voice, so so she could speak up, and now, like you said, there I wouldn't have entered in. I would have been the the man who thought he did it all, 
and if I would have kept going and Lexi, I didn't have an addiction, right? I would have been the same demeaning human being. Yeah, and your your growth would have that would have been the pinnacle of your growth. That's what I'm saying. And instead, now I look at her as ten times more spirit. And I always wondered when the brother. And this is this is just I'm being honest right here, so don't judge me. But if you're listening, you're female. But like I was just it raised in that mentality where you know. It was a patriarch, and I didn't come from religion. This is just in the world I grew up in, within the 50s-style so home. Mormon church didn't teach you this? No, no, yeah, so no doctrine taught me this. So guess what? You know, you can't blame the church. We didn't go to church at all. <laughs> but I was raised in a very dominant male family is, I guess, what I'm getting at. And this is on subject because we're talking about you and your marriage. But um, I, I remember when the brother, when I first joined the church, and these brothers, like, these guys are so powerful that you feel the priesthood man, right? You're just And their accomplishments, the things they've done. And then the first thing, Every one of them almost does, without, without question. They, when they're in a talk at a BYU or something like this, they'll, they'll always talk about their wife and how they wouldn't be where they're at today. And I used to think it was like, oh, they probably just have to say that so, <laughs> so their wife can you know, check off and feel like, oh, honey. No, dude. Now I'm realizing it because there ain't another soul that would love me the way that this lady has loved me, maybe beside my own mother, but, you know, that, you know that's just going to take you so far. So I'm telling you right now, like, the love from a... a like, dude, I wouldn't even be close to the human I'm being if I didn't wasn't married to Lexi. So, dude, you, that's you, why no. marriage is the eternal principle because it makes us men better and and vice versa, them better versa, too. Like yeah. Lexi expressed that, I'm like, yeah, okay, you're just saying that, but like, reality is like, this is why the this is why the adversary is attacking it. You you've shared that tonight. You you've already understanding. It's dude, once again, if you didn't have the program, you to go into marriage with this perspective. Dude, I had all the right intentions. Dude, we went to the temple every week. I was gung-ho. I wanted to be at a church school. Boom, 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 when we got married. I wanted to check all the boxes and be all this and, you know, sacrifice and church and callings, and I did it all. But guess what? I didn't know how to apply the atonement when it got tough. And it's going to get tough, and it's going to continue to get tough for me and Brad and everyone else who's married because life never stops showing up. But we, Brad, you have this... You know, dude, I just, it's, I, it's rad. You're lucky to have this before you get married. That's it's just, what's awesome it's is rad. the depth, I mean, picture depths of despair, homeless, <laughs> drinking out of a bottle in a gutter. In a ditch. In a ditch. St. Ives malt liquor. What? Yeah, that's what they <laughs> Is that say. a bad one? It was yeah. malt liquor? Uh, just awful. <laughs> Disgusting. Um, to, uh, man, you got a good job, you got a great woman, you get married, going to get sealed in the temple. All the boxes are checked. And, it, and it's not like you're done either, but no. you're, you're on that path back, and, and uh, it's, it's, available. it's available to you, but it's available to everybody. That's, like, that's you're, the, this, you're yeah. special, but you're not that special because the Lord will do this to anybody. Yeah. Um, We're special. And, well, like someone said tonight, it's a better way to put this, is... A guy in our meeting said tonight, it's like we all have, it's a song, yeah. right? We have personal Jesus, right? Like, yeah. well, that's like a song. It's, I was thinking of right? Pesh Mode. <laughs> right, right. When he said yeah. that, I was like, that's, Steve probably didn't even know that, but <laughs> like that came up. But uh, dude, it, uh, that's the, we have, we are special to him individually. He did this, that, and that's why it worked when you called me. I was like, guess what? Remember I told you, I was like, guess what? I'm, I'm the most vile sinner I know. So if he did it for me, he'll do it for you. And you're like, oh, that's all I needed to hear. Literally, it's all you need to hear. Fulfilled. Yeah. That's, that's been the, the biggest uh, mind-blowing thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 1980. Johnny Cass covered it. You got to listen to that right before he died. Yeah, he does a slow version. Yeah. yeah. Some people think this is sacrilegious, but... I don't think it is. Not anymore. Not through ARP. Yeah. 
Let's listen to it a little bit. Oh, wait, you don't When yeah. I when I brought in my at my year uh, and I brought in all my AA chips, there there was a lot, and I had would relapse so many times. And I there's a in the beginning of the big book, there's a section that talks about people that can't get sober, and it, it calls them basically saying that they're born that way and that they just can't get honest, and it's not their fault, but you know that they're born that way. And I I was beginning to think that I was like one of those. I'm I'm one of those exceptional few that just I'm never going to get this program. I'm never going to get sober. I may get some some days here and there. I'm I, but I'm just never going to have, you know, anything like the Joneses have down the street and I'm never going to really be, you know, that happy and you know to see to see my life now. It's just crazy what the what the Lord does when you when you put your faith in Him, and that's been the the biggest thing about ARP for me, is that it's it's all about getting to know you know how much He loves each and every one of us, and how much He is our our own personal Jesus, you know. And He teaches you about yourself. You, you're not going to get where Brian's at today if you're listening to this and you're you're thinking those exact thoughts right now, like how am I going to do this? You got to start with step one, which is getting honest. And part of that step is also reaching out to those who are your priesthood leaders. And then if they, they can't help you, and the, you know, you need to get to a meeting and you need to, you know, you need, listen, I broke anonymity because of this moment right here, because of moments like this. Me and Lexi knew that, that if we didn't break anonymity, more people would die. It was caused by a girl dying in our local meeting who was 23 years old, beautiful, her whole life ahead of her, had 71 days, I believe it was and relapsed one time and died. And uh, I remember thinking, at that time I hadn't broken an avenue. I'd share it with anyone who'd come to meetings, and, you know, and I'd share it with people on the street, but I wouldn't go on the pulpit and go all in like that. And I had a year sober, and I just got my year. That's why I was even gnarlier. So, like, I just got to see her happy one day, super, like, whoa, this is real. Like, this girl was there, and now she's not. And to see her parents come into that meeting and just devastated, and I'm going, bro, how honest am I really being? Like, am I am I all in? Have I done the steps yet? No. I did one and then 12. You know what I mean? I hadn't done four yet. I hadn't gotten deeper with this. I had. I was like, dude, this is time to break anonymity because if we don't, who will? And uh, now, you know, dude, I just, I don't know. I just, I love this stuff, dude. And um, you got you to gotta be willing to get honest and, and God will take care of the rest. He'll show you more. But dude, the minute you take your will back, dude, you're in for it, so just keep being honest. And, and Brian, you went into your ward pretty open, like uh, yeah. you shared yeah. with the young men in your ward your challenges, and uh, you spoke to the youth many times. You had, did you have calling with the youth too? Yeah, my first like, calling was teaching the 15- and 16-year-olds. So, so like you, th- these experiences, you know, Satan is lying in your ear saying, you're shameful, you'll never be accepted. And sure, there may be some, some crusty people in your ward that will judge you, but that's on them. So let them be that way. That's gonna they'll be judged for that. But you're don't don't let Satan lie to you and don't believe that lie because uh, Saul didn't believe it. Mer, uh, Alma the younger, the sons of Mediz I didn't, and Brian didn't believe it, nor did Jay. Boom. And uh, neither should you. Boom. So let's close this out. Until next time.
Right, Jake. All right. We go. Church is true. Blessings of thy peace.